Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Tani G. I'm your host, Tani G. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at MaximumTEE at Yahoo.com. Pirkei Avos, Treasury, Season 2 of the PAL, Chapter 3, Paragraph 15, Paragimel Mishnah Ted Vav. There are a lot of comments today, so we're just going to try to pick and choose a couple of them because we can't get to all of them in our limited time together. So let's see what we could talk about. Rabbi Eliezer, Hamodai Omer, Rabbi Eliezer, the Modai used to say, Hamachala Esachadashim, one who desecrates sacred things, Vamivazes Amoados, and someone who disgraces the festivals, someone who humiliates his fellow in public, and someone who nullifies the covenant of our forefather Abraham, or one who perverts the meaning of the Torah contrary to halacha, though he may have Torah and good deeds in his hands, in he has no share in the world to come. So these things that are happening in this Mishnah, if a person does them, God forbid, really bad things to do, a person loses a share in the world to come, which we know is the world of truth, the world that's coming, the world of Emes, really make sure to watch out for all of these different things. So let's see a couple of comments on the different aspects of the Mishnah. So Rabbi Lezah the Modai, the third generation Tana, was from the city of Modian, famous as the birthplace of the Hashmanah. His special strength lay in his agadic expositions, particularly in scriptural exegesis, rather than in halachic rulings. Rabbi Gamliel viewed him as expert in matters of Agad and often concluded discussions of such matters with the statement, we still need to rely on the opinion of the Modaites, Shabbos, Megillah, and Baba Basra. And let's see what the Next comment says, so one who desecrates sacred things, this refers to the temple offerings which must be kept in a strict state of sanctity and are subject to specific restrictions as to their consumption. One who does not take the necessary precautions when preparing or consuming sacred items desecrates their holy status, included as one who profanes an offering by intending to consume it after its prescribed time, pigul, or who renders it impure tame and hence unfit. Other members of this category are one who leaves over parts of the offerings that should be eaten beyond the prescribed time, and one who misappropriates offerings or sacred property of the temple treasury for personal benefit, which is me'ilah. Let's skip over to Ma'abavaze Esamo Ados who disgraces the festivals, the Mishnah does not speak of one who profanes festivals themselves by doing forbidden labor on the Yom Tov days, Mechala, but instead of one who disgraces Mevaze, the Yom Tov quality of the intermediate days of Pesach and Sukkot, which is Cholamoid, and by performing labors which are forbidden then, or by treating them with less honor than the major days of the festival. Regarding whether work on Cholamoid is prohibited biblically or rabbinically, see introduction of Moed, Katan, and Yad Avraham. One who humiliates his fellow in public, this is a big one. we got to be very careful, especially about this one. It's better to jump into a fiery furnace than embarrass someone in public. We've talked about many times on the show about the sage and his wife who would give out charity, and one of the collectors really wanted to find out who it was, but the, the, the benefactors did not want to be found out, so they ran into a furnace rather to embarrass the person in public. 
even a small element, even though he wanted to know, on no aspect did they want to give away that it was them. And one of the per- people had their feet singed because they were not as high a level as the spouse was. So you got to be careful not to embarrass anyone ever, especially not in public. Hamal ben Pnei literally means one who causes his fellow's face to turn white. One's face becomes red and then pale white when he is embarrassed. Rafsi Bava Mitzia. Public embarrassment is an ancillary ancillary of murder, just as murder is one of the three cardinal sins for which one must be ready to surrender his life in this world, see Psalm 174a, so one who publicly humiliates his fellow surrenders his eternal life in the world to come. See Telso Soto and Pnei Yeshua points out a halachic implication of the severity of shaming someone in public, one who commits suicide forfeits his portion in the world to come. Yet suicide is permitted in order not to bring humiliation upon a fellow, even justifiably. Once the sages instituted this ruling, such sacrifice of one's life is no longer considered suicide. So let's jump down to the bottom for a second just to talk about this as the Notes at the bottom say, justifiable suicide. The Talmud relates the story of a couple that preferred possible death. We just mentioned it, and now we have the story inside. So the, the couple that preferred possible death to causing a fellow Jew to be embarrassed very early in every morning, Mar Ukva was the sage, used to put money aside inside a poor man's door hinge. One day the man decided he would try to learn the identity of his secret benefactor, so he waited in hiding. This is pure hashkacha. This is the story we're talking about, and now we can see it inside. Mar-Ukva and his wife were late that day, and when the poor man saw them coming, he emerged from his hiding place to get a good look at them. Before he could recognize them, Mar-Ukva and his wife fled with the poor man in pursuit. As they ran, they saw a furnace that had been recently cleaned of its clothes, but was still piping hot. They jumped into the furnace, and Mar-Ukva's legs were singed. A matter of choice. This ruling is derived from Tamar, who is ready to be put to death by fire rather than embarrassing Yehuda by revealing that she was carrying his child, actually twins. See Genesis 38, 24-25. Had Judah not owned up to his misdeed, he would have allowed an innocent woman and her two fetuses to go to a fiery death. Thus, even someone capable of such injustice must also be saved from public humiliation from, from Rav Yitzchak of Bahosh. It is noteworthy that the sages express the gravity of inflicting shame publicly in relative terms. They said it is preferable to fling oneself into a furnace rather than publicly humiliate one's fellow. Rab Leib Chasman offered the following illustration. Imagine being trapped in a burning building. Only two escape routes are available to flee the flaming inferno and both entail a passage through the flames. Some pain from the heat must be endured, but of course one will pick the route where the fire is smaller. This is the import of our sages' observation. The heat one must suffer for inflicting public humiliation is of such intensity that the fire furnace seems cool by comparison. The brisk Rav explained regarding the case of Marzutra and his wife in the previous footnote. The sages did not say, and some say it was Mar-Ukva, the sages did not say that someone is obligated to enter a fire furnace rather than humiliate another person. They taught that a fire furnace is easier on a person than the punishment for public embarrassment. Mar-Ukva and his wife therefore chose the more comfortable course for themselves. The draining of blood from one from the victim's face is tantamount to actually spilling his blood. The sages taught one should sooner fling himself into a fire furnace, as we learned in the story, than cause his fellow public humiliation. Let's move down to the next one. Nullifies the covenant of Abraham, our forefather, by refusing to circumcise himself if he was not circumcised as a child or his children, or by surgically concealing his circumcision, he nullifies the covenant God made with Abraham and his children. One who does so demeans God's commandments. 
The next one says this refers to one who interprets verses on the Torah in ways contrary to rabbinic and halachic tradition, talking about perverting the meaning of the Torah. Under this category, Rashi includes one who, like King Menashe, an evil ruler of Judah in the First Temple era, heretically questions why Moshe included certain seemingly inconsequential details in the Torah. Let's go down to the bottom. Right, Respect even for the least worthy. The respect due a human being is as a reflection of his godliness underlies the law regarding those who are executed by the court for idolatry or blasphemy. The body is hanged on display to remind the people of the gravity of the crime and is a deterrent. Nonetheless, it must be buried before nightfall. He should not leave his body overnight. But make sure to bury him that day, for hanging a person is a curse of God from Deuteronomy. Since a human being is created in the image of God, and God calls the Jews his children, the hanging body is disgraceful to God himself, as it were. It can be likened to a king's twin brother who is abandoned and hanged for his crimes. People who see the body think it is the king. Rashi, the practice of the courts was that the body would be hanged just before sunset, then taken down immediately. Let's move over to though he may have Torah good deeds. The misdeeds enumerated in this mission are not sins of passion, such as theft, eating forbidden foods, or engaging in illicit li- liaisons, and so one cannot absolve himself of full responsibility for them with the claim that he is generally a Torah-observant person whom the evil inclination seduced to commit them. The misdeeds are the result of heretical leanings for which no excuse is sufficient for Me'iri. The good deeds once performed in the Torah once said he cannot save a person from living his eternity if he has succumbed to heresy. He must thoroughly reorient his beliefs and approach to life. Only full and complete repentance can snatch him from the fatal effects of heresy. Even the curse of pain, which can atone for sins, is insufficient to undo the spiritual damage inflicted by heresy from Rambam and Rav. He has no share in the world to come. The verse teaches that person shall be cut off. His sin is upon him. The Talmud explains the double turn. Hikaris, Tikaris means a person will be spiritually cut off in this world and the world to come. And another opinion is that any reward he earned for his past Torah study or good deeds will be paid from this world, but his heretical beliefs will cause him to lose any reward in the world to come. And lastly, we're going to mention a Jew remains beautiful. The Talmud views circumcision as a mark of national identity. One who takes a vow not to derive any benefit from circumcised people is only obligated to assist himself socially from Jews, even uncircumcised ones. He may derive benefit from any non-Jew, even one who is surgically circumcised. See Nadarim, circumcision is a symbol of Jewish identity. So we're going to stop here and join us next time as we talk about the yielding to superior and pleasant to other people on the PAL with Tani G. And I'm your host, Tani G.